Welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WZWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California in theory. It's a joy, honor, and privilege to be with you all once again. And speaking of a joy, honor, and privilege, right here, right now, I get to speak to somebody who I think is one of the most interesting people that has been in the pro wrestling business. She has great perspectives and great stories from her time in wrestling. I can't wait to get some of them out from her. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the one, this is the only, this is the incomparable Jasmine St. Clair. How are you? Thank you. I'm relaxed. I went to a yoga class before and there was this really weird sound bath after. So it, it was interesting, but it's a very um, Southern California thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Very, very cool. Uh, yeah. Jasmine, usually every time I have someone on the show, I ask the same question every time to begin. When you were a young lady, how did you become a wrestling fan if you did become a fan at that point? Uh, my grandmother would watch it and I'd hear her like yelling at the TV. <laughs> it was so funny. Like she was immersed in what was going on. What is that that you're drinking that's green? Is that chlorophyll? <laughs> That's no, it's, uh, it's lime creaming soda. I'm a, I'm a child. <laughs> I got to get one of those. Yeah. So anywho, my grandmother was watching it. And in fact, she took me to my first show at Madison Square Garden with Jimmy, Jimmy Snuka. Then I used to watch Glow. I used to watch like Sherry Martell as well. And, you know, I ended up working with her much later on in life. Um, same with Missy Hyatt. And I just thought it was really cool and theatrical. Then I went to my very first WrestleMania it was Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior at in Toronto at the Sky Dome. That was so many moons ago. And I have to tell you, it's like one of the greatest experiences ever. I still have my jacket from that event, along with a few other goodies. And, you know, not to go off topic, but just because we're here and I, I do this quite a bit, unfortunately. So like a few months ago, there are you allowed to curse? Yes. Yeah, there is some piece of shit. Like, I think he was homeless or crazy or both, but he was this freaking blob. He was wearing an Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan shirt from that damn pay-per-view. <laughs> so it didn't really annoy me that he was blown kisses at me or grabbed me. That's not what pissed me off the most. I got mad because he's wearing that shirt from the pay-per-view, like more than anything else. And I'm sure he stole it. I said, do you know, like what you do, you even like, why are you wearing that? So yeah, that was that. <laughs> yeah, that was my experience wrestling. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Wow, that's that must have been so amazing to see such a massive show at such a it important was. time in wrestling. Uh, to see Hogan versus Warriors well live, I just couldn't even imagine uh, the energy in the arena. You know what I mean? Well, whenever Hulk walks into anywhere, it's a certain um, energy. Because I worked with Jimmy Hart. I worked for XWF Wrestling as well. And I remember meeting Hulk. He was really a very nice person. I think he's really smart. I'm pretty sure he had endeavors. He had a lot of endeavors outside of wrestling. Rumor has it that he is the one that owns In-N-Out Burgers in California. I don't know if it's true or if someone just made up that urban myth because it's red and yellow. It's a good idea if he did because it's so simple. It's the best burger, by the way. <laughs> Right, cool. Yeah, you over there, you all get so many different things over there. We just get like five things here in Australia. We only just got Taco Bell over here. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about um some of the recent things that's been going on before we go, you know, to all the way back to 99 or wherever it is I'm headed. But uh uh, recently with XPW, I've been loving the shows and I've been so happy to see you and, and Veronica on the shows. Um, it's really cool. So please tell me what it's been like uh, getting back out there and being involved with Extreme Pro Wrestling. I think it's awesome. I know that they are taking wrestling back to where it was in a way with extreme stuff, but they're also 
innovating new things because there are some girls matches on their women's matches, like with Sage and Supreme, Camilla, Tanya Valkyrie. And some of those girls are really pretty and they're bleeding. They're getting color. I mean, they look like supermodels or just any girl you would see like in a fitness magazine that's a bombshell, but they're getting color and they're really working their asses off. So kudos to Rob Black for doing that. And this is something that WWE, I don't know if they will go there. I don't know if AEW will go there. Um, I knew if ECW was still around. I'm pretty sure they'd go that way. But it's really exciting to be around everyone. I've met some really like new, interesting people. It was fun working with Veronica Kane. Uh, she and I never had the chance to work together like until now. Uh, I did get a little bit scared to throw a chair in her face, but she wanted it. So I gave it to her. I sound like a rapist. God. Um, <laughs> wanted it so I gave it to her damn it yeah no it was great and I like working with Rob again I think he's in a really different space now and he knows one thing Rob is good at is creativity and being a genius in that respect and I think he's learned you know what works what doesn't work and you know how things are going to go this time so we the first show was like 12 hours <laughs> it was his death match tournament. It was 12 hours i don't know i left like it yeah we left like a two in the morning or one in the morning um and it was really really late i heard some people saw me at the lax fan fest and said the show went on till four in the morning but those are die have die hard loyal fans that are just as fucked in the head as we are to do this <laughs> Then this last show was late and then I stayed around. I, I was helping Rob with some stuff and um, I was saying goodbye to everyone and going home. Like home's like an hour from there when I'm in LA. So I was home and then I went back to Pomona like the next day to see friends because I had friends that went to the show. But I think he's really smart about what he's doing this time. And it's smart to have someone like Veronica Kane. I mean, you have managers once again which is a great part of it and the cat fights and I actually have Singapore canes. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> but the last show I was there helping, uh, we were making weapons. I was with Veronica Kane and big Joe and Eric, the referee. So it's just really a nice team effort. It reminds me sort of like when I was running three PW, except I don't have the headaches this time they're passed on to Rob. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Uh, and don't give anything away, but I'm hoping that you're going to be quite involved and you're going to be managing someone or and Veronica will be managing someone. Is, is that something that you think you're heading more towards? You're going to be managing yeah, someone? Yeah, 100% for sure. Yeah, I mean, now we're just getting started back with things. And, you know, I told Rob that I do want to be involved full time. I'll make it out to some of the Rochester shows as well. And I'm glad that his uh, his wife is involved. Kat's awesome. So she's now learning commentating alongside Chris Kloss. And it's really a great dynamic because he used to have that bleached hair back in the day when I used to tease him. I, to I told him he looked like a duck. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to Missy Hyatt now. Um, but I... <laughs> I'd like to work with Missy again, despite like the crazy friendship we had. I met her when I worked at XPW and she was gorgeous. You know, she had the long, dark hair, the blue eyes, and she was really someone that I learned a lot of stuff from aside from Francine. So like years ago, she gave Jane Simmons my phone number. This is Missy Hyatt. I just wanted him to sign some kiss stuff I had. But next thing you know, I have this freaking this balding Jew, <clears throat> and I have nothing against um, that. Uh, my best friend is Jewish, or she married a Jewish guy. Um, he's like calling me till five in the fucking morning, like asking me to hang out. I said, I don't think you got the right idea, Gene. I just wanted you to sign my <laughs> albums. That is all I wanted. But then I ended up later, later on dating the guitarist. So yeah, but it was just really, so I, to that day, I didn't know if Missy was ribbing me or what she was doing. So like years later, I fucked with her. She was in Tampa. <laughs> I called her, well, I was not in Orlando, like I told her I was. I mean, I wasn't in Fort Lauderdale, like I told her. I was actually in like Texas or something. I said, listen, they need someone to work with me in an evening gang match tonight. And I ribbed her. She drove down there and I wasn't there. <laughs> but we're friends we're good i think she's awesome i think she'd be great to work with again 
and she's super smart. And we, we share like a lot of the same views. I don't talk politics, but I could do it with her because it's like in a safe space. Uh, but I think she's a good person and she's really, um, she's smart and she does a lot of really interesting things with her life now, but I'd really like to see more of her like getting involved. She'd be great to have. And I think maybe even if we can reach out to like the first XPW champ, Damien Steele, <laughs> despite the huge falling out we had like in real life, it'll be nice to have him back. Yeah, absolutely. I think because uh, I, I interviewed Chris Kloss recently and he said he's been having a hard time being able to find Damien Steele anywhere. So who knows well, what, what's going on with him at the moment. But uh... <laughs> him? well, yeah, that's another thing. But I mean, I he's another one. I feel like he could have had a lot more success in his career. He had a great look. He was very talented at what he did. He had all the makings of a superstar. Like there's so many people I hear these stories from that are wrestlers like Dirty Ron McDonald, who is now a friend and, you know, co-worker. And, you know, you hear these stories of when they've done so well on Raw or like in a dark match. It's like, okay, well, what happened next? Then you go into like tough enough. It's like, you, you know, I do acting as well. And I see casting calls for some reality show for wrestling and it's WWE, you know, and it's just, that's like the only side of the business I don't really like, I understand you want to give everyone a chance, but why not give people a chance that have been busting their asses? Like to me, the only real rock star that's a female there, like I like the, or what's a Viva Rose. What's her? I really, I know her by her real name. Thea Trinidad. What's her oh, name? Um, <laughs> Queen Zelina. <laughs> Zelina. She's great. And the only, like the rock star that I love there is Alicia Taylor on NXT. She's gorgeous. And I'm really glad that they're using her the right way because I don't feel as though they used a lot of um, African-American wrestlers the right way. I think they gave Jazz the short end of the stick. Oh, for definitely. Sure. Yeah. yeah. For sure. I agree. She'd be good in XPW. I'd love to see Jazz show up and kick ass. That would be awesome, definitely. Uh, it's really awesome uh, the things that are going on with XPW right now. I'm really enjoying the shows, and I'm looking forward very much to the next show, which is I believe it's taking place in August. It's uh, um, I don't have the date written down here. Um, it's the 13th of August. It's called Night of Reckoning, and it's in Pomona, California. Excellent. Thank you for uh, helping me out there. But yes, looking forward to it very much. It's going to be a great show. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. I, I wanted to bring it right back to the beginning uh, of your time in pro wrestling, getting involved with ECW. I read that Bubba Ray was instrumental in getting Paul to give you a call. How how was it, uh, you know, talking with Paul at that time and, and being brought in? Um. Paul is amazing. Like if it wasn't for Paul Heyman, I wouldn't have, you know, been on ECW. It's, it's really a weird combined effort. It was Rob Black who got me into ECW first. And then, you know, like a bad wayward step kid, I just like wandered off and just didn't go back to XPW after a few shows. Um, but Baba, it was first uh, Big Dick Dudley. And then he and I were really good friends outside of wrestling in fact, I took him to the Gladiators audition, you know, the Gladiators show with those idiots on there. <laughs> I call them himbos. So like, I know I'm straying away, but I'm good at doing these stories and going back. Um, so when we were hanging out all the time prior to him passing away, he had a Gladiators audition. So I took him down there. <laughs> he ran around like literally body slamming these people. <laughs> and they didn't invite him back I don't know why like he's the real deal so fast forward to about four years ago I'm at a barbecue and there's this woman like giving me a dirty look and it was like a friend family type barbecue I'm like what is this bitch's problem like do I have to put shit in her drink to like set her straight so I walked <laughs> over to her and I was nice um I introduced myself she's like yeah I know who you are well <laughs> what did I do to you um did I speak to your husband or something? Did I like <laughs> something bad? Did I, you know, hit your car? Uh, well, you know, you were with that guy years ago in Gladiators. I'm like, yeah, he's a really good friend of mine. He actually passed away. He's like a big brother. What's what's your point? Well, I'm the one that produced that show. I'm like, why? Like you support mediocrity. Well, I just wanted to give people who'd never been on TV before a chance. I'm like, well, <laughs> there goes that. So that's a small <laughs> world. So 
he t- so big dick dudley told me to just keep to call bubba like he's gonna reach out to bubba and let him know that i still want to work there which he did so paul Heyman was in la we met at the rainbow room the rainbow bar and grill i remember that night distinctly i was in my white shirt my white bob gushione shirt i call it because it was like a pirate shirt black leather pants and we sat by the fireplace i had my chinese chicken salad and a glass of white wine and water because that's what i eat when i go there and paul was there with um bubba and we were talking about it so he was serious and you know i i was there you know next thing you know i was between there nobody knows this i was working in tennessee for memphis championship wrestling so i worked with jerry the king lawler I worked with the cat at that time, who was amazing. She's so much fun to work with. And he was a lot of fun to work with because he he works super well with talent, I think. And he knew how to help us like with our matches. And I was doing that. Like I was taking classes there, but that's how the whole thing happened. And I was taking classes. Um, I was trained by an original glow girl because I could actually wrestle. But because of my size, I'll be used as a manager. And I'm fine with that. Right. Um, is it? <laughs> it's a right, lot. You were, you were being, is, was it right that you were being helped uh, when training with uh, Sue Sexton? Is that the name? Oh yeah, she's Australian, by the way. Yes, I think uh, she's from my yeah. my city, Perth. What city is that? Yeah, Perth, uh, Western Australia. Yeah, she's from Perth, so she trained me outdoors in like the steaming heat in Calabasas, California, in an outdoor ring. Um, I didn't know that taking like diuretics. Um, like don't mix with like training outdoors and learning how to bump. So I learned real fast. Uh, <laughs> then I was training with Mondo Guerrero. He taught me a lot of like, I could moonsault if I wanted to, I could do a lot of the same high flying stuff those guys do. So he taught me a lot. And then ring psychology, I picked up through Sherry Martel, through Francine, like Francine did help me to her credit. And um, like, I learned a lot from Francine, you know, I know she's not going through the best of times now, and I really hope like things pan out for her the way they should, because she's a good person and she's done a lot for women's wrestling in that respect. Uh, like I watched the shows, I'd watch Beulah, I'd watch Francine, I'd watch all of them. Yeah, they were all great. Uh, and and uh, woman, speaking, of course. Oh, of course. You can't you yeah. can't leave her out. She was so sad. Yes, absolutely. But she was wonderful. Uh, I want to talk about living dangerously. Now you've brought up. Uh, Francine, Living Dangerously, March 21st, 99, Asbury Park Convention Centre, segment with Lance Wright. Um, <clears throat> you get attacked uh, by Francine as, as well as uh, being involved with the main event. That's quite the experience. You cut a great promo as well on the fans, which I loved. Uh, please tell me about this moment in time. So which promo? The one where I was topless in the hotel room with the Living Dangerously flag? Is that the promo you're talking about or the promo in the ring? I think that one was way better than the one in the ring. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the promo I coordinated with Paul Heyman. And yes, once again, I will give credit where credit's due. Rob paid for my ticket to go out there. Um, He flew out there with Tom Byron and this guy and Kevin Kleinrock. Kevin was really funny because he's sitting in the audience, like when we were warming up in the show, just for practice, like give me the middle finger, like really getting me going. And <laughs> so the night before there was a wrestler meet and greet, but two weeks before that I shot the, um, the hotel room segment, I met up with Paul Heyman and Harry Slash and they shot it. The next thing you know, we're at a meet and greet in some bar in South Jersey. So I met, uh, I met like uh, Chris Chetty, Danny Doring, Steve Carino, like I met everyone. Then the next day, it's the pay-per-view. I had no idea what to expect. So you have like Spike Dudley and you have to visualize him with his like <laughs> his suspenders and all that on. And <laughs> Devon, they were showing me how to take the stone cold, you know, how to do a bump to your knee yeah, and like sell it. I was really scared in the ring because I suffer from stage fright. I still do, but yet I have no problem doing live theater. Um, and (laughs) so, yeah, it was really weird. I didn't know what to do. You have all these people and it's a live event. So you have no room to screw up again, just like live theater, uh, except you have grown men in their underwear and outfits wrestling around. And, um, I just didn't know what to expect. Uh, I guess we got the reaction, but it was really a great turning point in my just like my career in life, because the week after that, I was in Asbury Park, New Jersey, 
hosting the very first ever New Jersey Metal Fest when Sepultura came to the USA with the new singer. So I was introduced. So I was around heavy metal. So it's like, okay, cool. So this is where my life's going into things I actually like. But it was great. And I really had fun learning the stuff before the ring. And that's what I learned later on with ECW. Like if you're going to get put through a table, you'll know a few minutes before the the match starts. If, uh, you know, someone's going to hit you, you'll know. And Paul will always ask, are you comfortable doing this? Sure. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Awesome. I was comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Um, So I, I believe you, you appear on uh, the March 28th, 99 episode of Hardcore TV. Uh, soon after this, I believe you you were gone from ECW t- television for a while. What was the reason behind this start and stop uh, during that time? <laughs> I answered it before. It begins with an X and it ends in a W and has a middle <laughs> letter of P. Um, so Rob started XPW. Okay, right. Excellent. Excellent. I don't know what, I don't know, you know, why, but then uh, what happened? So I was absent for about a few shows. Then I quit XPW and went straight to ECW or we went right back at the beginning of the next year or the end of that year, later that year. And um, I did some of the house shows and so forth, but I wasn't working for Rob. We actually parted on some really fucked up terms. So for us to have reconnected the way we did, Cause he gets in his head so much when he's like talking and talking and like doing things. Then when it's the end of the night and the show's winding down, then things are just like, it's like relaxed Rob. Right. It's great though. I love his energy, but I don't know how, what, what time did the last show end? Do you remember like the, the one, the first one, was it like eight hours that show? Like for reals? Yeah. I think uh, that oh, ended shit. up giving Chris Kloss uh, like the world record for the longest time being on commentary i don't uh, think it's going to be this long as the last one even that one was long yeah i think as the the setup with all the death matches must have been oh um, god yeah <laughs> and then seeing schlack's sock like bright red i'm like cool he has red socks are you from boston schlack that's blood oh okay <laughs> unbelievable um i want to ask you a little bit about nicole bass uh yeah. may she rest in peace i know you got to to work with her uh as well uh, how did you feel working with nicole um and, and and wrestling her uh well honestly i felt really sad for her sometimes um she was really fun i remember going out after a few shows to eat with her and there are these guys looking at me and they were saying stuff, and she got up, are you saying something to my girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But I felt bad for her. I felt like her husband, um, I think he, in a way, he was like his own version of a suitcase pimp. Do you know what a suitcase pimp is? No. Well, so for listeners or viewers, like whatever you do, a suitcase pimp is this. It is a man that lives off a woman, but promotes her career like so much, but is doing it strictly for the financial gain. And he doesn't really give two fucks about her at the end of the day. And he will wear her to the bone. Um, A lot of girls in the adult film business have this, you know, then if you ever saw the movie Star 80 with Eric Roberts, and I think it was Muriel Hemingway, it's based upon that tragedy with Dorothy Stratton. That's a suitcase pimp. So I just remembered he would be there. He was really nice and just overly, it's like, what's your fucking purpose again? Like I was nice to him out of respect to Nicole. Um, When she, she gave me a power slam, she fucked up my ribs pretty bad. Then she was like straddling me like right across, like with her legs over me. Are you okay? I'm like, just get the fuck off of me. And we didn't talk for like, a few days but everything was fine after it's really sad she died it doesn't surprise me but i feel as though there was so much to her more to her than you know people gave her credit for and she was great in ecw she's great in xpw she was great wherever she went right cool thanks for uh uh, talking a little bit about her because I, i just kind of feel like uh no one knows the real her no one ever got to like the, the the world the fans never really got to know more about her um you know it was always like they just see the character or the the, the performer um so uh again i wanted to bring back some ecw talk a uh, heat wave 2000 is what i want to ask you about <laughs> because i asked i've asked like 12 
ECW, 13 ECW people. I've asked four people from XPW. Were you there at Heatwave 2000? And what do you remember from your perspective when all the drama went down? Je ne parle pas anglais. Qu'est-ce que c'est? <laughs> Je ne comprends pas. No, of course I was there. Yeah, I was. I was there, of course. Like we all were. Um, I just remember like walking around the Olympic Auditorium earlier that day for the show. And like I was in my own bubble. I was hanging out with my friends. Like Francine was there. Um, my friend Shannon. Then I was hanging out with Gorgeous Storage. Everything seemed normal. Then I find out that like the XPW wrestlers are there. And at that point, I didn't have a good relationship. I'm like, okay, these they're up to something. I put everyone on alert. Yeah. <laughs> um, they started something first. Someone spat in Christie's face, and rightfully so, because I don't I think like she was a porn chick. She didn't know the respect of wrestling and everything else that went with it. You know, she just did as she was told, which is great. You're a good sport for that. I don't know whatever happened to her um afterwards, but I know someone did spit in her face for doing that. It was just our way of saying, hey, you know, we're running a show here. You can't do that shit. We don't care if like people fly or we don't care if people fly or shows. Everyone does it, but you just don't do that to detract from like what's going on in the ring. It was disrespectful. And maybe there was some kind of like a thing. Go it wasn't it wasn't pre-planned with Paul Heyman. We were like legitimately mad and those were legitimate punches being thrown. The late great Supreme was involved and he was actually a really nice person, by the way. Um, he did a lot. He, his body did quite a bit for the business. He did quite a bit for everyone. And it was sad, you know, now knowing like what happened. Um, I remember getting into a fight with Chris Kloss the next night. I was online and I cursed him off or something. <laughs> <laughs> when AOL was a thing. All oh, right, of course. Is that AOL instant messenger? Yeah, I forgot. Like, what was my AOL? <clears throat> I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a few things. ICQ and Emerson Messenger. I know I use them. Uh, no. <laughs> it's been a I long just time. get on the phone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fuck you, asshole. That's what I do. <laughs> uh, when you're in ECW and XPW during these days, who were the people that you became best friends with? You know, aside from like a big dick Dudley, were there any other people that you, you became close friends with? Wow. Um, clearly, I'm not friends with the Blue Meanie anymore after he gave me like 18 stitches to my head. Um, I was really good friends with Francine at one point, And, you know, that went sour after a while. It was really sad. Uh, you know, I'm sure I don't know how things are now. I, you know, I, I always wish her well whenever I see her post something about her health updates, because I genuinely mean that. Uh, Kid Cash, for sure. He was really a smart person. And I worked with him afterwards in other places as well. Um, the Pitbulls, uh, Jazz, um, George. George and I were really tight for a while. And then she, I think she got married and then we we're still pretty tight. Then I, she's like, uh, I ran into her again at, uh, in Texas a few years ago. She was a different person, you know. And, I, you know, even though New Jack and I had our words, we were still... Um, we were always like doing goofy things, making fun of Fat Albert and stuff. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> uh, so it was just that whole batch of people after. And, you know, I really appreciate and you know who you are. One of the ECW wrestlers who um, who got kind of upset finding out that the guy was, you know, dating at the time was beating me. But the thing is, you don't fight, you don't bring that drama into a ring. OK, because you're there crossing over into a big opportunity, right? So you shut your mouth and do your job and do not bring that drama there. And I know people bring drama there. You just can't do that shit. Case closed. Like I tell people this all the time. This is why I just, I have like zero respect for people, like people that are dating, that have a business that cannot fucking run a business together. You know, you got to be a CEO of your life before you're the CEO of whatever else you're doing in life. And if you cannot do that shit, then you are not professional. No matter what is, I don't care if someone holds a goddamn gun to your head the night before you get up and you do business the next day, unless they pull the trigger or something. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Missy Hyatt, obviously. Um, Cause I could call her tomorrow and like, we could just talk like nothing really, you know, 
went on or like nothing, no days passed. April Hunter is another awesome human being, by the way. And I feel as though there's so much, you have these things like AEW, like, hello, it's like, they're not using the talent that should be, you know, why isn't April there? Hello. Like, even though you have oldies, but goodies in this business, I mean, there's some people that are classic that still have some impact and following on it. So that's just one thing. Um, it's, it just reminds me of like the old WCW in a way to a degree. Right. Yeah. I, I've, I've always felt like every company has dropped the ball with April Hunter. I don't understand how I just She's don't understand. Great. It's she, her like jazz is another good one. Um, you know, yeah. Rob really got lucky getting the girls we have there. He's like, like Camille and um, Tanya, Tanya is like a, a showboat and Camille is just amazing. And I feel like yeah. the Brandon's building up and now we have a need for extreme wrestling. So I'm curious to know what we're going to do during the winter time. Cause I don't know if outdoor shows are going to be a thing. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that's going to be a little uh, tough there at the, um, there in Pomona. Um, <laughs> I, I want to ask you a little bit about uh, Rhino and, and, and the, the middle rope pile driver. Uh, you, yes. you took one of these, didn't you? I, I just, I, I don't have the chance to talk to anyone else who's taken one of these. So I thought I'd get, take the time to ask you. This must have been a little scary. I mean, Christ almighty, a, a, a middle rope pile driver. What? Just tell me a little bit about that. Well, um, first of all, for people listening, the pile driver off the top rope wasn't the, it was off the top rope. That is outlawed now. I think I was one of the, I think it was outlawed shortly after I did that. Um, I didn't know what we were going to do. And Paul just said, oh, well, do you, um, you could do, we had the whole spot worked out. It was actually the first time I ever took that was at a house show. Um, and was it with Chili Willie that he was working? I forgot who it was. It was Chili Willie or someone else. But um, that was through the table that time, I think. And I remember he told me what was going to happen. And he's like, just bring up into a handstand. He will hold your weight, your legs, and bam, down. And of course, when you take a bump, you always have to tuck your chin, you know. Mm. So, you know, he's a, these are big guys. These are three, 400 pound guys. And like, you don't, it's timing. Like, I don't care what anyone says. Timing is everything. And you don't know if like these guys have the slippery stuff on them to look great, you know, when they go into the ring, plus you have all the lights, they're sweating. So are my hands going to slip? I dug my nails <laughs> <laughs> into his legs like a cat with their life. Like, please. So Paul's like, are you comfortable with this? I'm like, yeah, sure. No problem. And um, before you know, like everything's broken and those are real tables. They break in ECW and XPW. It's not like WWE where they perforated a little bit. So it's all <laughs> nice and half broken and cute. Um, yeah. So uh, it's really, it's uh, it was, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I didn't, I just kind of go with things, you know, it's just, uh, you just go with the flow of things and that's that, you know, que sera, sera. and um you know, and if shit happens, you go down. Oh, well, you went out and, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> However it is, or whatever the term is, you go uh, out with a, a, a blaze a bang, of glory, so to speak. <laughs> what? A blaze of glory, maybe? Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've worked with, I mean, I work with so many of those guys doing so many of those, whatever, taking uh, supernovas. What was that he would do? The, um, star draw whatever it was like that then you i mean balls mahoney and a nutcracker sweep then you know get <laughs> doing this when i was in memphis working it was the what were they called the bullpen that was his name bullpen all oh, right he actually gave me a suplex off the top rope and that's like you're we're both like he's on the middle rope or wherever he was on the top rope but that still feels like the top rope to someone that's like five seven and like 108 pounds He's up there holding you and like he held me there like this. I'm like, okay. Then all of a sudden psh, you just go back. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. There's really no training for this except to tuck your chin and just don't be fucked up in the ring. 
<laughs> Absolutely, Jasmine. Uh, I want, <laughs> wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, the experience with the XWF and working with the public enemy there. Oh, um, poor things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just thought it was important to bring that up because uh, I've, I've got the DVD of, of all those lost episodes that they call it. Uh, what was the experience you? like working with them there? I got to get one of those DVDs. How come I don't have one? Oh, really? Yeah, if you have any way to like transfer that to me via internet, that would be much appreciated. Um, well, I knew Rocco already. I knew them already, but they, I became closer friends with them, especially um, Rocco before he passed away. And they're really fun guys to work with. And they just were very grateful to be there more than anything else and have the opportunity. They didn't feel as though... It was like that. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. But they were, you know, they're just grateful to have another opportunity to do something cool. And they fit into their gimmicks really fast. And we worked really well together with the promos. We had this one promo we shot in like a Jurassic Park ride inside of the ride or the King Kong ride. And we had to like they had us going it a few times. They were starting to let like the general public in and people were like, OK, what are they doing? So, but it was a nice weekend and they really treated everyone super well. Um, <clears throat> I was hanging out with Kid Cash a lot then. So we were going out to eat and uh, it gave me a lot of like advice and stuff and tips. Then it was the Road Warriors. They were really cool to work with. Um, I love Jimmy Hart. Like he's really, he's a great A human being, you know, he's a yeah. class act. And Hogan and just all the guys that were there. It was like some poor, I felt as though I was like in a memory lane or history. Then you see Craig Valentine, but you see a lot of these guys too pop back up on the circuit of these wrestling events or, or the signings and so forth. And it's really lovely. Yeah, that must be fun uh, going to some of those conventions and seeing everybody all in one place at one time again. Yeah. Um, have you been doing that a lot in the last couple of years? Um, yeah, I just was at LAX Fan Fest and then um, I'm going, I'm doing one in New York as well. I do a lot of my East Coast uh, signings with uh, Damage 365 Promotions. Kevin books all my stuff. He's been a complete doll. Like last year I had an issue showing up, so I kind of own one on this. But besides that, I felt really bad. And it's weird because like Sunny was on that same event last year and before she got locked up wherever she is. And she's like, I wonder if Jasmine is okay. Like, is her, is she okay? I'm like, why the fuck would anyone think like some, I may go off sometimes, but I don't go, you know, like that. Like I'm going to go do something. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I guess I should ask you a little bit about 3PW. Um, Cause you know, you ran it for a few years and, and you're a promoter there. Um I want to know what the most rewarding and also the most difficult aspect of that job is. I know the difficult will probably outweigh the rewarding, uh, but please tell me a little bit about that. Okay. So <clears throat> that was a great opportunity. Um, it was just cool. It was something to do. Um, <sighs> I think I just got fed up with, you know, guys in singlets with egos, like arguing over the most trivial things, you know, and just like some of the shit that went along with it. I do know that it was XPW trying to run against us one night and they decided not to because they were going to run against us. Uh, I just didn't want to deal with like a lot of the bullshit after like with this promotion is running, that's promotional. I'm like, am I really dealing with people that have the IQ of a fucking doorknob? Like, I don't want to deal with this shit. So contrary to popular belief, it was my company, not the Blue Meanies, because that is a person who is not the brightest human being in the world, but he's very talented in the ring and, you know, jiggling around or whatever he does, wallet. So with that said, um, I just got, you know, I had other interests out there that I pursued an opportunity and I just, I was just sick of everything. And then truth of the matter behind that with God as my witness and, you know, may lightning strike me right now, not because the weather is kind of weird, but the thing is the other reason was I just got sick of dealing with him as well. Cause he'd hit me again. And I was still running a fucking business like a CEO would. Right. So with that said, I, um, I had set up a deal with a uh, DGD distribution 
which is great. I made some great contacts there. They put out those bum fight videos as well <laughs> back in that day. <laughs> then I had a great connection in England and the show was on Sky TV. Right. So that was a really great deal. And I, I liked having all the footage. And, you know, I originally, I eventually sold the footage because I just had no use for it. And um, it was a lot of fun, like working with people and giving people that work that they wanted. And, you know, and, and it was cool working with Todd Gordon. Yeah. And, you know, it was nice getting to meet X-Pac. And X-Pac was quite a showboat. He's a, he was a true professional. Like everyone there was a true professional. You know, I've had a few things here and there, like a few glitches here and there. But I, I mean, this is one thing like I told Rob is I, I know how to run a back, like a back locker room like that. And you don't want people back there. Just tell me, I will tell them to get the fuck out. Cause I did that. I was, I was that person. Like if you're not back there, you need to just go and, yeah. and shut your camera off and get the fuck out or and just delete whatever you're taping. Yeah. I would do so. <laughs> I had a street team. So it's like when it comes to XPW, I never have a, a hard time asking Rob what he needs help with yep. and setting the logistics up. So people are there like on time because some people didn't show up to help him the last time that were supposed to be there. It's like, okay, so what was the excuse? We're at the beach or are they fucking off? Because that's someone, you know, you may not be able to trust again. You give them a second chance. Maybe they'll be there. Maybe they won't. But I had a pretty um, tight knit group of people that were there. It was fun. Cool. Yeah, I, I wish I lived over there so I could come help out. <laughs> the XPW. We get the DVDs. Oh. oh, Ruckus was a lot of fun to work with, and Na oh, yeah? Nana and all those guys. They were so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. Uh, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on women's wrestling today. Uh, a lot has changed from back in you know 1999 to now. Things are completely different. What do you What are your thoughts on the whole landscape of women's wrestling? Real women or women that are transitioning? Like, what do you like? I'm sorry. Like, I'm not trying to be a wise ass. I'm just asking because there are people out there that mistake women's swimming for a man who cut his dick off and grew his hair and changes his name to a woman. So I want to know, do you mean real women's wrestling or I'm just asking? I, I'm talking about real women's wrestling. Yes. Okay, cool. No, I'm sorry. I just have to ask. Um, <laughs> so I feel as though Rob is it the right way where it's part of the show and not the whole show. I feel as though WWE has made it into too much of the show. I think we need to go back about 10 years. And I'm not saying this as a misogynistic person. I'm just going realistically. We need to go back about 10, 15 years to like the Attitude Era and WWE and maybe a couple more ahead of that, a couple more years ahead. But I just think it's too much. I think it's great that they have girls that they're developing into these great like performers and are doing amazing things. But it's too much of the show. And when you start putting an emphasis on this whole, you know, feminist agenda, it really, it takes away from the fun because we've got to be PC and have this whole like feminist agenda. Feminist is, it's like, come on guys, like, let's get off of that. It's entertainment. This is an entertainment product you're putting out there. Let's go back out there and entertain. And that's really, <laughs> that's really how I feel. You know, I have not watched much AEW, but uh, I think they have the right formula to it. Right. That's an interesting. And I'm glad Rob does it the way he does. And plus he makes, I mean, the girls work their asses off. Those are real wrestlers doing shit for Rob. And, you know, not to discredit some of my friends at, you know, WWE, like uh, Zelina and Alicia, who are amazing, really great wrestlers and some of the other girls there. But, you know, I just think they're doing it too much there. I and it understand. doesn't give enough time to certain girls. Like every the girls that are there, like they should be getting more time, you know, just handpick, be more choosy. Right. I, I think it's interesting that you, you say that. Cause like, I've always kind of thought like, what's wrong with being sexy? What's wrong with like so being proud of your body and, and showing it off and having people admire that you are a sexy person. It feels like that, that it's starting to get to a point where it's like, that's, it's not okay. I don't understand. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, sex and violence sell, and that's really the truth. So if you think about it, like when you watch those ridiculous B-movies or like in Italy, back in the 70s, they had a term for a movie called giallo, which means yellow. And they would sell these movies in a yellow paper bag. They were like horror films that's super well done. Um, 
very well written, very well done and beautifully done because the girls, the women there dressed like women. They weren't in their sweats and they had their hair and makeup done. They were beautiful. And uh, but there was some degree of violence. Now, it's a movie, by the way, guys. It's not real life. So this is a wrestling ring. It's a show. It's not. Um, how can I put it? Uh, it's not. I mean, it could be real life if you don't like someone, but there's <laughs> nothing wrong with being sexy. I mean, there's this icon in L.A. named Angeline who had these billboards in the 90s. Right. She's this big chested woman with the big blonde hair. And all of a sudden it's like she somehow has resurfaced in a way. I don't know if you're looking her up. <clears throat> there is like a whole documentary on her. <clears throat> but this is when women weren't afraid to do that. And I feel like it's slowly coming back somehow. You know, like I do wear um, tighter. I do wear, you know, some outfits that may be a little bit tight to go in the ring. Uh, but that's what it was, you know, and that's what I fit into. And I feel comfortable doing that. Would I go dress like I would when I was 18 or 19? Probably not, because I was just wearing jeans and baseball jerseys. And uh, but I, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I, I do see some women even in L.A. or even in uh, Europe that, um, you know, they don't always dress age appropriate. But when they do it, they do it nicely. Like there's this gorgeous woman today. Uh, she was outside. Where, where were we eating? Oh, so she had this like dress on it was like a fuchsia color but she had a beautiful body her hair was all done she had nice shades and big earrings like she could get away with that like when you have the right accessories you can get away with anything so getting back to this so with the women yes you can go back into the ring with your short little skirts and your heels and it's not demeaning it's not sexualizing anything and if you think about it this is why a lot of tv programs in america <clears throat> have gone stale because they lack the sexuality that so many things had before if that makes any sense whatsoever in my crazy rants. <laughs> no, it does. I think it really does make sense. And, uh, you know, sex and violence does sell. That's why the Attitude Era was the highest ratings in history. There you go. It's proof in the pudding. Yeah, um, but what about that whole Me Too thing with Vince McMahon? I mean, I think there should be like a statute yeah. On sexual harassment, because if someone really sexually harassed you and it really traumatized you, then why didn't you say anything 15 fucking years ago? You know, and I'm not trying to shame any victims or whatever, but this whole victimhood mentality has become a trend. I know real victims and I know people that think they're victims. Real victims go through surviving in life and become survivors of something and build something really awesome with themselves after. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel with the Vince situation. It's like I think he he had these relationships with women, um, but he always wanted everyone to just think that him and Linda were married. But I don't think they've been together for a long time. So I think maybe he made them sign stuff to let to so that they wouldn't tell anybody that he had these right. affairs or whatever. I don't know. It's all a bit weird. We'll isn't see. It? I mean, it's called an NDA. <laughs> And when people, regardless of who you are, if you dishonor an NDA, whether you are a man or a woman, you set business back doing with whatever your gender is by 50 years or more, because it just shows you cannot take people's words sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> um, something else just popped in my mind. I believe that you, you, you were uh, really uh, good friends with Lemmy. Um, yeah, he uh, died I, actually. Yes, I just realized I've... Uh, Oh, let me see that. I had I, I had the book right here, and I, I, I looked at it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I remember that book. Yeah, yeah while I we were that. talking, I was like, oh, yeah, I better ask about Lemmy. I just Did he sign it? There. No, no, I, I, I never got the chance to meet him, unfortunately. But, uh, really? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, what was it like being friends with Lemmy? Because I, I think he's... Well, I met him at the Rainbow Bar and Grill. So, like, I knew who he was. And um, that's like a place you, you hear about. And I grew up in New York City. So being out in L.A., like looking at that, it's really so surreal because you see everyone there like you grew up listening to. And I wanted to meet him um, at the time. I was friends with Ron Jeremy. I never worked with Ron Jeremy, just so you know, in a mainstream film like once. But that's it. The thing is, like I so he introduced me to him. Then a couple days later, 
you know, we were out hanging out there. And then, um, like even years later, when Kid Rock wanted me to be in a video or something, Kid Rock was nice, but like he's sitting at the front booth at the rainbow with his sideshow bimbos. That's what I call them. And then he told the waitress, because I was at a booth myself, just waiting for Lemmy to come in. He's like, oh, um, can you see if she wants to join us? So the waitress comes over. Yeah, well, Kid Rock wants to know if you'd like to join him. <laughs> I said, well, you could tell Kid Rock. He could ask me himself. <laughs> I said, actually, I don't, because I'm not going to lower my IQ to sit there with those people. I said, just tell them I'm waiting for Lemmy. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's as legit as any other reason. It's like you say you're waiting for fucking God. I mean, you're waiting yeah. for God. So hello. Yeah, no, I don't think so. But he's a very interesting person. He wasn't racist. He collected a lot of Nazi memorabilia. Yeah. Um, I, I have some of those things that he gave me. Uh, we went to like gun shows. We went to a few sword shows as well because uh, I like guns. And I, um, you know, I, he had quite a collection uh, he'd watch like Nazi black and white movies late at night, but it was just history is what we were watching. I don't want to get anyone canceled. It no. is a part of history. So exactly. When you start like not having certain programs on TV, ripping down fucking structures and statues that are part of history, there is no story to tell except yes. whatever bullshit PC crap you're trying to do. Yes. There's been racism in the past. That's so many years ago. Whew. Yes, there's been this, there's been that, but now you're canceling history. Just like that whole Aunt Jemima pancake thing. She was the first African-American woman to die a millionaire. And her family was proud of that. But yet they pull her off like a, a box of pancakes. It looks boring now. I won't, I just, I boycott like that whole thing. I, I agree a hundred percent. That's one thing that drives me the most crazy is that if you if you delete things and if you hide them, then how can we learn from them? How can we learn from history if you have to pretend that it never happened? It did happen. Things things did happen. I don't think it's right, right to block things out or say that there's this book that there's a very famous book from hundreds of years ago that then they think, oh, well, some of the things that they said in this book are racist or something like that. But that was of the time. That's the way that people wrote or whatever. You can't just burn all the books and pretend it never existed. It's a thing. We learn from that now. That's true. But then also trying to change a history book. If you really look up the history of slaves, for example, like Confederate soldiers were fighting to release slaves. So they weren't there like doing this or doing that. And I just feel like there's a whole narrative that if you're not loud and whiny about it, people will come down on you and say, well, you're not going with this or that, you know, and mark my words, it's going to, it's going to change at some point because you cannot teach a history class without there being history. So I think it's just as traumatizing, you know, going to school in Europe and learning European history. I had this history teacher. He had one eye this way and one eye that way. I thought like he couldn't see us passing notes. I was so wrong, but you're <laughs> learning about the de decapitating women in this whole thing. And it, you know, we had class trips to, um, to the tower of London and to like all these places, but yeah, it's history is a super important part of everything, even wrestling history, even all the dark, really horrible things that have happened in the past, such as the deaths. And maybe people will learn from them. You know, Chris Benoit, for example, you know, I don't think that the emotional and physical health of the wrestlers is taken seriously enough. Maybe he needed a few weeks off because his finishing move, like, yeah. basically landing on your head. What do you think that does if you don't get that taken care of or take a couple weeks off? You know, absolutely. Yeah, there's a yeah. whole, it's a whole big uh, debate that can take place there about all of that. Um, but I, I want to get back to talking about you. Uh, only a, a couple more questions here, Jasmine. Thank huh. you again for your time. No, thank uh, you for being patient. <laughs> no, of course, no problem. Uh, what the hell was I thinking? Confessions of the world's most controversial oh, sex yeah. symbol. It's been twelve years since that oh, came that? out. Will there be will there be a sequel? Will there be, will there be another book? That that thing. Oh, that wasn't even that um that book. Whew, that book was written by a proven liar. Oh, right. He, he like wrote, he took interviews with me. I don't know who that person is oh. that wrote that. So it's not really a book. I, we don't really discuss that. We don't really like push that book. It just like it comes okay. into my whole cosmic fear, this whole sphere of my cosmic well-being. And it just, 
it's it's nothing it's not really there's not much there all that person did was he um he caught he took stories he interviewed me briefly but he didn't really release a book so okay right um yeah so that's nothing the book that will come out is called a weird kind of fame based upon my one woman show which should be in australia one day and then obviously my podcast which has some of the stories but i interview a lot of people on there and we talk about a lot of things so some stories come out sometimes they don't Right. Okay. Cool. So, uh, my my research can be. No, it's okay. Sometimes. Don't worry. I'm not. I'm not mad. You're allowed to put the cosmic spheric and my <laughs> angelic. Woo! Well, we'll end. put it all out there right now, everybody. Uh, that that book that I first mentioned. Don't buy it. No point reading it. All bullshit. Let's worry about the one that will be coming yeah. out. I don't know we'll... who that person is. Yeah. <laughs> we'll worry about the one that you're going to be putting out very soon so yeah. that should be exciting and and things more exciting things are on the horizon for you you're still going to be uh working with xpw is there anything else going on in jasmine st Clair's world that you like to let everyone know about yeah so i have my own podcast that drops every wednesday called crazy train with jasmine st Clair. it's crazy with a k and um if you rate and review it, I send you free gift bags, which I've done, but definitely catch up. There are lots of episodes. I think I'm like 50 something episodes deep. Then I'll be setting up the YouTube station. So there are going to be interviews on there that have not been on the podcast. And there will also be a lot of um, video interviews as well. But the videos for the interviews go on there as well. So I just started editing those. It's a really tough thing being the CEO of your own brand. But this is like all I know. very cool and all of those things that you just mentioned jasmine we're going to have that right in the description on youtube when this goes out live in maybe a a week or so um right jasmine st Clair, it is time to get to the final segment of the show it's called five second frenzy five seconds to answer each question even if you break the five seconds there's nothing i can do about it you can't get in trouble so it's all good first question here who is your favorite professional wrestler of all time? The Ultimate Warrior. Excellent. Uh, do you have a favorite adversary or opponent that uh, you, you would go against in your time of pro wrestling? Missy Hyatt. Fantastic choice. Uh, out of all the matches that you had that you participated in, do you have one that's your, the favorite one that you participated in? Jerry Martel and myself and Doink the Clown and some other wrestler. <laughs> that sounds incredible. Uh, uh, moving away from wrestling now, favorite book? Catcher on the Rye and Week Low by Albert Camus. Very nice. Uh, favorite TV show? Sorry, no, we, uh, not Week Low. Sorry, No Exit by, um, uh, not No Exit, sorry, L'Etranger by Albert Camus and Week Low is my other favorite book. My favorite what? <laughs> favorite TV show. Anything in England uh, or Netflix from Europe? Anything by Harlan Coben. Very nice. Uh, do you have a favorite film? River's Edge. Cool. Uh, music is a big part of your life. Do you have a favorite musical artist or band? Suffocation, Cannibal Corpse, Merciful Fate, King Diamond, and Demi Borgir. Very good. You like the real heavy stuff. Have you ever been to the Wacken Heavy Metal Festival in Germany? Yeah. Me too. I went in 2019. Probably the best thing I ever did. Um, moving away from the arts now, Jasmine, favorite food? Anything. I'm not vegan. <laughs> good. Good choice. Uh, favorite place to eat on the road? Cracker Barrel. Well, that's three in a row now. I think uh, Francine, RVD, and now you uh, have chosen Cracker Barrel's favorite place to eat on the road. Very nice. Uh Favorite alcoholic beverage, or if you don't drink, just your favorite beverage in general? Champagne. Very, very nice. Uh, Second last one here, Jasmine. Favorite male body part. You see a good looking guy. Where where will your eyes go to first when you're checking out a guy? His fucking belly. Really? Yeah. Because, you you know, you got to look at people's belly. Interesting answer. I've never had Shallow. that. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one, Jasmine. Favorite curse word? Cunt. 
Oh, fantastic, Nancy. I call Australia. people a cunt all the time, and I say it loudly in the street, and I get these really dirty looks, and I have yeah. no idea. It's it's crazy over there because a lot of people they go crazy when they hear Who someone. Cares? But you over here, <laughs> you say cunt all the time over here. So. Like cunt all the time, just like that. You cunt, you stupid cunt. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Jasmine St. Clair, this has been so much fun getting the chance to know you, uh, hearing some great stories of your life and your perspective on things. That's why I knew this was going to be uh, a fun interview. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. And I just hope uh, that you're so proud of everything that you've accomplished in your life. You have done so many interesting things. And uh, all the way here from Perth, Western Australia, a lot of love coming your way, my friend. Oh, thank you. And hopefully I'll make it back to Australia for Dragon Con or for the One Woman Show. But in the meantime, tune into my podcast every Wednesday, Crazy Train with Jasmine St. Clair, Crazy with a K. Thank you for having me and being so patient. No problem, Jasmine. Thank you so much. And thank all of you out there for joining us here on the Insider's Edge podcast. I'm California. This is my new friend, Jasmine St. Clair, and we will see you down the road. Thank you. <laughs>